The topics and themes on our program are generally adult in nature and may contain explicit language. Therefore, these conversations may not be suitable for younger audiences. What does being typed out mean to you? Telling your own story. It's just really, truly being who you hey, are. Hey, this is me. This is who I am. And Labels this is my space. Categorize. So we can be identified and for that reason to be excluded. The way that we integrate people into society or do not. To literally write my name and leave my ink print in the world of stories to come. <laughs> and that's it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here and uh, I exist. This is the Typed Out, Typed out. Typed out. Typed out Podcast. You're listening to the Typed Out Podcast. I am your host, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. Today, we are bringing the yin energy, putting the divine feminine on the pedestal where she belongs, Henny, and I am beyond thrilled to be joined by the amazing host of the female-empowering, male-dominating, patriarchy-challenging podcast. Welcome to my vagina. Please welcome hosts Rebecca Frank and Jesse Karen. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Um, first of all, I love your podcast. I love how well-researched it is, and it's just like... You really do your fact checking, and I love that you're here with your laptops ready to like back everything up that we're about to talk about. And it's just, it's great. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so. For our listeners, if you have not yet tuned into Jesse and Rebecca's podcast, first of all, what are you doing? Seriously. And secondly, it's perhaps one of the most engaging and, as I mentioned, fact based shows I've come across. So do yourselves a favor and go listen. Just not right now, stay with us. And then go listen. So uh, this podcast is made possible by Audible.com, which is the leading provider in audiobook content. And do you ladies have any book recommendations for our listeners? Sure do. Um, so my book that I'm recommending is Red Clocks by Lenny Zumas. Um, the book is an exploration of what would happen if a lot of the draconian laws regarding abortion and um, childbirth were put into practice. Wow. So unfortunately for us... With the recent laws uh, in Georgia and Kentucky that would make abortion illegal after six weeks, which will for sure be overturned um, because they are unconstitutional. Um, we don't really actually need to imagine what might happen because we're currently kind of living in it. But this book tells the story through the voices of five different women. There's the student, the teacher, the mender, the wife, and the explorer, uh, basically just to look at what the impacts of of making abortion illegal would be not only on reproductive health care, but also just kind of like relationships. Wow. Um, there's for sure some issues with the book. Uh, it's, you know, it's takes place in Oregon. The characters are largely white, which I think is partly due to the fact that it takes place in Oregon. Yeah. Um, she also doesn't really deal with um, the issues surrounding uh, childbirth, reproductive health, and the LGBTQ population. Um, so that's that's super problematic. But I think in terms of understanding what the shortcomings are, but then using it kind of as a way to do sort of a brain exercise of what the world would be like, because it is entirely imaginable, is really useful. Yeah. So I recommend it. Great. Well, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. And Jesse, do you have one to recommend as well? I have two because I'm not sure one if one is on Audible, okay. but it should be. Yes. Um, but the one that I checked that is on Audible is um, Milk and Honey by Rupi Kerr. Yes. Um, I'm just in love with that book in general. Uh, and it's divided into four chapters and it deals with different levels of pain and survival and trauma and just breakups and heartache. And, yeah. Ugh, it, it spoke to me in a real way that I've like, that kind of summed up a lot of things for me and is very empowering and a way to like kind of step forward. And I think she just nails it on everything. <laughs> yeah. I remember walking into Barnes and Noble and seeing that book and cracking it open. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like it was like opening up to a page and she was reading my soul. Yeah. And I was just like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, how are you inside of me right now? Like, exactly. What the yeah. It's just, <laughs> she, and the way that she kind of um, summarizes exactly how you're feeling in this beautifully eloquent way um, like I love the one in particular and it made me, f it, it like changed my view on things and make, I, I go back to it and I read it, especially as a woman, I think getting older, we're always afraid of like becoming invisible. Mm. And, uh, a lot of people were like, what are you going to do? Like when you turn this age and she's like, I'm only almost 30. She was like, the curtains aren't even up yet. She was like, the curtains come up when I'm 50, you know, yeah. the show hasn't even started. And right. I love that. Like I loved 
you know, in our society as a whole, it's not just for women, but like we're so afraid of getting older that we're done after a certain third, like 30, 40 years old and you can't do something. I hate that. Yeah. So there's a lot of caps on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rupi Core is amazing. And if you go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash typed out, you can download your 30 day trial and listen along to both of those books recommended by Rebecca and Jesse for free. So again, audibletrial.com forward slash typed out. So speaking of typed out, I have a question for the both of you, which is something that I've been asking my most recent guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to be typed out? Um, I guess for me, what I what would be kind of like the image that I would think of was when they did that meeting about reproductive health care and it was all men at the table. And to me, that's that's so much what it is. It's about not having the actual stakeholders in a conversation present when you're making and you're having conversations about things that affect them. So that applies to women, to people of color, to the LGBTQ community, to the incarcerated population. I think when we talk about the way that we integrate people into society or do not, those people have to be present. And otherwise, you're never going to get it right. The nuance is going to be wrong and you're not going to actually understand the depth of the problem and the way to get at root causes. Yeah. So that's that's what it is to me. And I would say negligence of the problem because you're not including the people. You're taking domain over someone and deciding for them. Yeah. You know, you're not actually allowing the demographic to be part of the conversation. But for you, Jesse. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's kind of overall just not not being in the room and not being heard or understood. Um, I think that's the most frustrating thing is like, honestly, for me is over time realizing that I was, I didn't even have a voice in the room. And now that I have a voice in the room, I'm seen as aggressive and crazy. So I I don't really, I still, I have a voice now, but at what detriment, Yeah. you know, and like who's listening and, and who's over speaking right over me right Mm -hmm. which are just like little hot buttons of things that i would love to talk with you both about today which is i do think that gender in general can be a way in which we are typed out i mean there are other influences that tie into it and might um offer you privilege in this case like if you're a straight white cisgendered man you probably are on the top rung of that ladder whereas like in other cases just simply being a woman can mean being typed out of society, right? As you just mentioned, Rebecca, like reproductive rights and how that conversation is being predominantly led by men or has historically been led by men. And now like in this new age where people are being held to task, where it's the age of receipts, I'd like to say, because it's like you can't get away with anything. Everything is being recorded. Everything is being documented. And you can go back to a point where it's like, actually, I have on record that you said this and you're going to be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. But does it matter? I mean, like it throws the, it's the most common example, like the Trump pussy grab yeah. video, you know, like even, even with video and proof, there's still this boys club situation where like, yeah, but it's fine, you know? Right. And like, and it's ignored and then passed over. Like he, he had no punishment for that. Yeah. Nothing happened to him. He's president. Right. I guess, I mean, I would I would add to that to say that the power structure that exists also exists in terms of the impact of these receipts. So, like, it, it might not hurt Trump, but Lord knows it'll hurt a person of color or a woman yeah. if she's if she or they are held, are made to explain an earlier made statement. I mean, I think Ilhan Omar is a perfect example of that. Yeah, and I think if we are able to start doing this on a ground level, right, we can hopefully lift that up to a higher regard you know like if if we follow through on the age of receipts and hold people accountable for their actions for the things that they say and say that this behavior is damaging the way that you refer to people the rhetoric that you use is damaging and we hold people to task on that and don't sleep on it as the general public it will have a resounding effect in the higher ranks eventually it has to we just have to stick to our word as the public and saying that like we just need to be more active in the way that we hold people accountable, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think we have been doing that. I've been really proud to see people holding people, other people accountable. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of a more recent than the hashtag Me Too movement. But yeah. there's been a lot since then where people are like, no, what you're doing is wrong and we're all going to fucking jump on you and you're going to be punished for it. And I really 
as 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 all like there's so many bad things happening in the world that that's my like glimmer of hope is that people are like no we're done we're done with this what you just said was racist or sexist or yeah yep and letting people know and building that self-awareness because i feel like the more you're self-aware the more you we talked about this yesterday in our crossover together on welcome to my vagina of like just building that self-awareness to say what is it that i'm doing when i walk through the world and you know i either choose to cross the street or i'm talking over someone or like there was the little anecdote that I shared about why that guy didn't realize grabbing a woman's ass was wrong. Mm -hmm. And even though he had a room full of women (laughs) telling him why it was wrong, it was still like does not compute, does not compute. So, um, but actually just a few things in both of your answers that you mentioned about what it means to you to be typed out. What are some strong instances in which you've been either spoken over or mansplained like do you have one specific story one for, yeah <laughs> one two 17 400 like literally the first thing i every wrote day i of was my like life. getting talked over every goddamn day yeah <laughs> um for me my favorite time that i got mansplained was about welcome to my vagina i was a regular at my bar and he was just aghast when i told him that the website and the podcast and my web series and everything was called welcome to my vagina like flabbergasted because of the term vagina because of the term vagina but also told me the first thing he said was you can't call it that Mm -hmm. okay and i yeah which was my response was all right sure uh Mm -hmm. and i was like i i'm I'm pretty sure i can call it whatever i want but thanks for your opinion yeah and he was like yeah vagina is a hot word you should use something more subtle and i was like it's not it's not meant to be subtle it's meant to just to create a discussion and also the word vagina is should not be a hot word it's a part of your anatomy he did this for like 15 minutes and explained to me why i could not call my show something yeah that was my favorite one Mm, that was good yeah and and then i've also had people explain you know after they've touched me inappropriately and i've said please don't do that then they explain to me sexism also (laughs) (laughs) it was a compliment i was doing it because you have a nice butt yeah Mm -hmm. exactly oh my god and so me and Rebecca are in love with this gynecologist Dr. Jen Gunter Mm -hmm. and we'll keep saying that until she responds to us Um, (laughs) dear Jen if you're listening dear Jen please listen to us please love us back Um, but she wrote an article and she was talking about how vulva is the correct term for the outer part of your genitals and a man uh, a white middle aged man responded to her the correct word that you're looking for is vagina Oh, okay. Yeah, to the gynecologist. Yeah. And Twitter had, like, so much fun being like, cool, thank you, person who doesn't have either of these things for explaining to us what vagina and vulva means. And then he, ex- or t- for mansplaining, and then he explained mansplaining to them. Wait, it gets He mansplained better. mansplaining. It gets even better because this guy actually, because she blocked him because it had been going on for a while. So I went and looked at his page. He actually wrote what what he would kind of think of as an academic article explaining language the use of words and why she was wrong mm-hmm. like pages long academic article that is i think his pinned tweet still oh my god and it is probably the most pathetic thing i've ever <laughs> seen in my life that's like the encyclopedia as holomanica or something <laughs> like that like <laughs> here's my complete dissertation as to why as i'm, I'm an asshole like yeah, yeah. oh my gosh I- <laughs> I think it was uh, Rebecca Solnit who uh, wrote the book Men Explain Everything. Men Explain Things to Or me. Men Explain Things to Me. Thank you. Um, and it's not... And she, she explains how mansplaining isn't a universal flaw of gender, um, but that it's like this intersection between overconfidence and cluelessness. Because anybody could over-explain something. Like white people over-explain racism to people or like I've had men over-explain uh, sexism, but there's like this... I don't know, it just like gets stuck in the mix and like normative masculinity mixes with those things like overconfidence and cluelessness. Yeah. And I think she actually starts that off with an an anecdote about how she was at a table um, and people and talking about a book that she had written and some guy was like, no, that's not what the book is about and explained it to her. And then she was like, no, but I wrote that book. No, she didn't. Oh, sorry. She didn't even do that. Her friend was sitting next to her going... As he was explaining the, bo- the book to the author, her friend was going, she wrote that book. And he kept explaining. And she went, she wrote that book. And he was like, explaining. And she wrote that book. And then he went ashen. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Three times she had to repeat herself before she was heard. Yeah. Interesting. But what about you, Rebecca, as far as like 
instances where you've been mansplained or talked over? Part of me feels like, you know, I was sitting trying to think of an example and I have one from a couple of days ago. Um, I have a few, like one one was similar, not quite as aggressive as the guy uh, with Jesse explaining about the show, but this guy that came in and was like, oh, are you still doing that show? You know, I think you'd have a lot more success if you changed the name and the image. And I was like, I don't care about your opinion because you're not my target audience anyways. Exactly. Um, But uh, one of the big things I was thinking about is like, how often, like, it's my expectation that I will be talked over and explained to that I sometimes don't even register when it happens because it is the world I live in. Mm. You know, that's that's my daily experience. Like, I was at work the other day, and I'm, you know, truth be told, I'm a little aggressive, which is something I'm very proud of. So I was at work. We're talking about a free, the Frida Kahlo exhibit at BAM, which is yeah. fantastic. And, you know, there was a few people there, um, and I said, I find it interesting that, I mean, on top of the obviousness of it that she was always described as Diego Rivera's wife. And I think, you know, we see that all the time in terms of like athletes and artists. And they're always they're always put into context of the connection of the man that they are related are, you know, with or related to or yeah. whatever. But I said and I and like not everybody would agree with this. But in my opinion, with very little art knowledge, um, I believe that Frida Kahlo was a more talented artist and pushed the envelope more than Diego Rivera did. And this dude said to me, you can't say that. And I looked at him and I said, actually I can and I did. You're welcome to disagree with me, but you cannot tell me that I can't say something. Right. But also Frida's husband, Diego, said that she was a better artist. Right. He said that. (laughs) So So see, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If a man said it, of course it's true. Yeah. Again, art is subjective, right? So like we're not all going to agree on the same things, even regardless of the gender of the person, of the Mm -hmm. artist. But to tell someone that their opinion is invalid. Exactly. And or wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the number of times that I've because I just say this now, I'm like, I'll get interrupted and I will just look at somebody and say, why don't you wait till I finish before you interrupt me? Because it's this idea that people see me. They think they know everything about all the opinions that I have, and then they assume the next thing that's going to come out, and they just respond to their conceptions. And that happens with men so much more than women in terms of like the way that they interact with me. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's this obsession with wanting to be right mm-hmm. all the time. They're used to being heard. They're used to being assumed that they're right, that their ideas are better, um, and that they're experts. I've told this story before, and I'm trying to find it, but even if I can't find it, It's something I've seen in rooms, but this woman was doing a speech about pregnancy and she was like, who here is an expert on pregnancy? And like, raise your hand. None of the women raised their hands. All of the men raised their hands. There it is. How are you an expert on pregnancy? Yeah. Explain that to me. But like, even if that, even if I don't know that story correctly, I've seen that in rooms and like, that is what happens. Like men assume that they have a point and that they know something and women are like, oh, well, you must know better. Yeah, it's like, well, I've read all the books. Okay, but in your actual childbearing years, please tell us from your experience. Yeah, it's like someone reading like Tahanesi Coates and being like, I understand the experience of a black person in America. Yeah. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually. You can be aware, mm-hmm. but you don't understand. Exactly. You can't you can't speak from true experience is the thing. So it's just like knowing at what point you can contribute to a conversation and at what times you should just sit down and listen. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I think actually doing this podcast has taught me a lot of that too, because as someone who's been talked over my entire life, like I will then sometimes talk over people because I'm like so sick of being interrupted. Mm. Um, But one of the big things is being sure all the time that if I don't know something, that's why we always have our laptops, to be able to say, I'm not sure, let me look. Yeah. Or to just not weigh in if I'm not sure that I know. Right. I was... saw a note because the other thing it was off it was pivoting but I just I wrote pivot (laughs) (laughs) we do that every time um no I I mean I liked what you were saying I just I wrote down before I forgot I had a man at a bar mansplain how to cough to me stop how to cough I forgot yeah I forgot about that he mansplained how to cough to me because I was coughing and he came up behind me and touched me which by the way please don't do that yeah um and like started coaxing my back and was like okay you have to like 
he was like, you're, you're doing it wrong. He was like, you have to like, let it out this way. He was like, he was like, here, take this napkin and cover your nose or something. It was so yeah, bizarre. Yeah, that's got chloroform on it. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just put this over your mouth and breathe real yeah. deep. And you'll wake up in the back of his van. Yeah. I'm talking about vans. Or his, yeah, right. <laughs> or in little bits and pieces in his freezer. Oh, God. Because that's the dream. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that is that's insane. No. How to cough? Yeah, no, I mean, but I didn't want to interrupt that because back to your point, I find myself doing that too, where I almost interject too much now because you know we've learned how to put ourselves in the room and put ourselves at the table. So now sometimes we overextend and we're like, oh well, blah blah. blah. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's about balance. It's about well, one again, if you're not historically used to being listened to, and now you find that self assurance in saying that what I have to say is actually worth it and you should hear what I have to say and overcompensating to be heard, it's balance. Eventually you'll find the right, but it's on both sides too, mm-hmm. right? That men need to be a little bit more quiet so that you can get out what it is that you have to say instead of, it makes me think of that, uh, the collect call commercial where it's like, we had a baby, it's a boy. You know, it's like, you have to like <laughs> say your whole point in like 30 seconds and be like, <laughs> did you get all that? That's so funny. It's yeah. perfect. Anyway. Um, Yeah, it reminded me too of like, even if we do get a word in sometimes of just not being, literally not being heard. uh, It reminds me of an ex-boyfriend that I had. And I remember he was having trouble with some things and I gave him some advice on like how he could maybe move forward and how he, you know, just trying to help. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I was like, okay, cool. Your choice, whatever. Um, But I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Usually. you know, and it, it couldn't have hurt. It was just about like getting like business cards and stuff like that. And that same day we went to my house and my roommate was there and he was talking about the same thing. And my roommate gave him the same advice that I did. Worded almost exactly the same. And my ex-boyfriend went, yeah, you know, that's actually a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I should try. I should do that. You know what? Tomorrow I'm going to order some some business cards. And I was like, fuck you. And I'm assuming this roommate is male. Yes, sorry. The roommate is a white male. Yes, yeah. I apologize. So it was a man telling another man or advising another man. And he was like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But chose not to hear the way that it came from a woman. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was the main point. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he listened to my male roommate and not me. Yeah, I've got a good one for that, too. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Um, it was right after Bill O'Reilly had um, been fired from Fox. Yeah. And I uh, keep up blog which I haven't been super active on recently but I wrote an article about it just about how I think you know my reaction initially was to be really excited but then as I thought about it I was like actually this is kind of fucked up because how long did it take for this to actually happen uh how much money was he given what is going on with the women and like why what was it that caused this it wasn't because Fox decided that it didn't it couldn't have Bill O'Reilly anymore it's because advertisers felt like they were losing people because of his behavior. Mm. So it was completely financially motivated. So I wrote this whole thing about it, which I was really proud of. And of course, like I'm totally willing to entertain people having different opinions and changing my mind on stuff, whatever. So I have this guy text me and be like, yeah, I read your article. And I basically like, I disagree. I think you're wrong. I don't understand why you wouldn't be happy about this all this stuff, he starts telling me how it's because the company grew a conscience and I was like, Citizens United decision, even just because it said that a corporation can act as an individual when we're talking about campaign finance does not mean that you get to attribute human qualities to a company. It's it's monetarily based, yeah. period, end of story. Yes. So we had this whole argument. I got to work seething. Like, when I say that I don't have a game face, it's, like, for real. I got to work, and my boss was like, yo, are you okay? And I was like, (laughs) I can't, you know, I was so mad. So fast forward, like, two weeks later, I get a text from this person being like, oh, I just read this article in the New York Times that says A, B, C, and D, which was exactly the argument that I made. And he was like, and I think they might be right. So he quoted another article that posed the same argument was probably written by it was written by a woman oh it was written by a woman okay but he chose not to see your points Mm -hmm. because of his association with you perhaps i also acted like a victim afterwards because i spoke to him after oh my god yeah like as if i was like this rabid animal that went after him which is the way that i think the way that i'm perceived a lot Mm -hmm. is like 
relax, calm down for not raising my voice, for just being forceful about the way that I communicate things constantly. You're, why are you so angry? Yeah. That's a big one. That's actually something I would like to ask about, which is, have either of you seen Dating Around on Netflix? It's a dating show. Um, it's it's pretty interesting, actually. And it takes place here in the city. And they find one person who's like the main dater. And then they set them up on five different dates. But they repeat the date in the sense of the same setting. And like they'll go to the same restaurant, same like post-dinner location as well. But it's one focal person and then five people that they'll go on a date with. And just document it, you know, and see how it goes. There's no like... There's nothing to make it challenging. It's not like The Bachelor or anything where people have to compete. It's truly just seeing how two people mesh. But there's one dater in the episode. She's the focal person. And somebody, she's on a date with, a, with you know, guys. And one guy says to her, relax. And she was like, don't you ever tell a woman to relax. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into that. And how, like, why people should not be doing that. Like, why people shouldn't be telling. Because I also think that this is... It goes into certain other demographics as well, where it's like, relax, calm down, like, keep composure. Yeah. You're so angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is predominantly associated with black women as well. Yes. The angry black woman. That was, yeah, that was the first thing so. I thought of is that. And um, I can't speak too much to that, but I have no, yeah. yeah, obviously I know that in in media and that's like a scary thing that even that or even like an angry black man you know like walking down the street that's you know the theme of our country which is wrong um but yeah no being me personally being told to relax is just an affront in terms of like it it puts it's like a level of control and like power that they put you in in that moment like in that moment you've been diminished because anything that you're feeling is wrong or crazy or hysterical um, which ties back back to the medieval ages and yeah. bef- even before that since Eve you know grabbed the apple because some person wrote her into existence because he had to justify how he hates women um, we've been evil and crazy and that like has been brought forward into any time we have any any sort of like we try to emote emotions <laughs> um, <laughs> feel the feels you know and if it's anywhere in either extreme it's deemed as hysterical yeah um and and it's not just men who have done that to me i've also had women do that like i have a little bit of anxiety so sometimes i get frustrated i get a little like fuck you know and when somebody tries to talk to me like i'm a child or to calm down it's why would you do that i wasn't mad before and now i'm annoyed right Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's infantilizing and also for great additional reference to the etymology and meaning behind hysteria, definitely check out the Welcome to My Vagina episode on hysterics. Um, also, kind of to piggyback on Jesse's point, is that uh, thinking about uh, people of color generally, but also women, Rebecca Traster has been doing this really uh, interesting thing where she's been reposting images of women with their mouths open in a that the media uses generally to portray them as angry and unreasonable. Hmm. And it's probably unintentional sometimes and intentional other times, but it's the way that we absorb what we're surrounded by. And we say, this person looking like they're yelling into a microphone, even if they're just talking, well, I can I can put this with a headline of them trying to pass the Green New Deal and how unreasonable and how monstrous this person is. Mm. And that's done across the board. So if you look at Rebecca Traster's Twitter feed, you can find a lot of that kind of stuff. Like misappropriation. Yeah, and just and just the intentionality of specific sorts of images that work to delegitimize whatever point a woman is trying to make. Because, because she's angry. Exactly. Yeah. And because and more than angry, she's unreasonable. And that's, I think, what all these things come down to is when someone tells you to calm down, when someone tells you you're too this, you're too that, it's because they think you they want you to feel unreasonable and, and it invalidates everything that you're saying. Yeah. Like you're acting in a heightened state. So why should anything that comes out of your mouth be l- worth listening to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's so funny to me to like, you know, maybe see a passionate speech from like, say, a black woman and like, and then that's put in the media in a certain way. She's angry. Whereas, like, I've seen men get into fights on the floor of Congress, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, like, w- what happens to them? Are they not, like, have you not seen white testo- white male testosterone, like, fly off the handles? Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. yeah. Brett oh, my Kavanaugh. gosh. Or R. Kelly. 
Yeah. yeah. Recently with, who was that? Was it with Gail? Gail King. Yeah, yeah, Gail King. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to, that has been mentioned a few times in this conversation mm-hmm. is unsolicited uh, body contact, basically non-consensual. And one thing that I think is worth talking about and isn't necessarily consistently talked about. And I think it was in the the beginning of the hysteria episode that I was listening to where a woman came up and grabbed your ass and you're like, what are you doing? Gay men. Gay men who uh, also cross that line, I think is worth talking about because I think more often than not, we think of unsolicited body contact or non-consensual body contact as being sexualized, right? And so for a gay man to be like, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I'm not attracted to women. So I can touch, prod, poke, do whatever to your body because I'm not objectifying you. Thoughts, feelings, expressions. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's something that kind of came into my view in the past like couple of years because I was under the same impression where I was like, oh, whatever, why does it matter? You know, because we don't realize it either. And then at some point, you know, I, I had like strangers touch me and I was like, I didn't, you know, I started to notice that I was like, that's not, I'm not, you can't just like walk up and grab my boobs. I don't know you. You're, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if that's your body part. You just kind of uh, diminish me as a human by assuming that you have the right to my space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's this like level of, you know, it, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's hard to, to say something against that because I don't, you don't want to be, I don't know. I'm not explaining this well. Like without offending anybody. Without offending anybody. Yeah. Because like, I get what they're saying, like that it's not sexual to them, but you're still touching my body. And I'm a very touchy person. Like I, I, with my friends, but it depends on their boundaries. Everybody has their own boundaries and you have to know a person in order to like come into their space. Yeah. Yeah. I think beyond that, it's, it's, Part of the problem with women being touched beyond it being sexual is that we don't we don't have any autonomy. Like we don't own our body. Our body is not ours, um, and that goes I think through everything. Um, and so somebody, anybody touching you without your consent, even in not a sexualized way, just further says your body's not yours. Your body is is pu- is the public, mm-hmm. right? You are the commons. You are a part of the commons. And I think that that's a really really dangerous idea to have. And whether it's sexual or not, it is incredibly dehumanizing to not only have someone invade your personal space in any kind of way, to have them put their hands on you, and then to have them explain to you why your feelings are wrong. Yeah. You know, if I say to you, please don't touch me, that makes me uncomfortable, okay, donezos. I don't want to hear about how you're not attracted to me. Like, it's, think about the internet. Like, whenever a woman... Not whenever, but oftentimes a woman responds to something and then a dude will be like, whatever, no one would fuck you anyways. It's not oh about my God, that. Yes. You know, to me, it's the yeah. same. And I think we can even extend your question to uh, older men. Sorry, you totally just reminded me of something, but I'm footnoting it for after this. Sorry. Okay. Where I've had this experience so many times where a man who could really be my grandfather will come on to me or make inappropriate comments or infantilize me or or stare at my chest and then act like because they're so old it's okay and all of a sudden they get a pass mm-hmm. and that is and and like that's actually a situation I have a harder time with because I'm like how do I explain this to this person because it's even if, especially if something hasn't been said explicitly, it's really hard to be like, I saw you staring at my chest because then all of a sudden the answer is no, I wasn't. And then it goes back into those gender roles of what you're perceiving is not actually true. And I own your body, by the way. And and to that too, like, yeah, it's men and it's also like gay men, but that woman that I spoke Mm -hmm. about in um, the podcast a couple weeks ago was that like her touching me was such a new level of like, and, and then her telling me that she didn't and her friend and her telling me what didn't happen when I was like, I, I have a witness and, and, and I felt it. Right. And you made me feel uncomfortable. Don't do that to me and don't do that to somebody else. Just because you have the same body parts as me doesn't mean that you get to invade my space and then tell me that I'm crazy mm-hmm. for you doing something. Or to tie it right back into what we were just talking about, overreacting, mm-hmm. saying yeah. that you're overreacting about something. And it's just like... 
this is my body and I'm not, there's zero invitation for you to touch it unless I've been like, please touch me. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy to me because Rebecca said it too. Like if some, if I touch somebody and I stick to safe places, yeah. shoulder, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, you know, like if I want somebody to like, excuse me, like shoulder or like not like lower back, which I've had men do on the subway where it's like mm. a little too low. Um, but if, if I turn around and tell somebody, if somebody turned around and told me to not touch them at all, I'd be like, cool, dope, no problem. Right. But like having men and, and other people turn around to me and say, oh, but like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You're telling me it's not a big deal. I'm giving you personal boundaries. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because I think that there there is this perception especially being somebody that's a part of the gay community where it's like, oh, well, I don't sexualize women. So like I can touch them however I want. Mm -hmm. and it's like, sure. As long as that is the consensual agreement between you and your friend. Yeah. If your friend is like, I don't care, you can do whatever. Then that's a mutual agreement between the two of you. But don't just feel that you have an inherent right to go up to someone because you don't sexualize them in that way that it, that gives you a pass mm -hmm. to do whatever you please to somebody's body. Yeah, I think that's the that's a difference between thinking about women as individual actors and thinking about women as a monolith. And so if I have the permission to do this to this one woman, it's like if I got consent once, I have blanket consent forever. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, a really big problem is like we're not seen sometimes as individual actors. And plus, like, we know we all know the statistics for sexual assault and things like that. You don't know what anyone has been through. You don't know what might trigger somebody. You don't know right. what that might bring back for them. You don't know the impact that your touch could have. So just realize all the time that you never know somebody else's experience or their story. And you should never impose what you think is your right onto somebody else's person yeah it's unreal absolutely it's also a power thing like it makes it makes you feel small no matter what mm -hmm. i don't care what your gender is what your you know sexual preferences it no matter what that, that woman made me feel small i've been in a, a gay club with my friends and had a stranger walk up and like grab my ass and i felt just as small when he did that as when a dude grabbed my tit in southeast asia yeah you know like none of them felt different there's different levels of danger for sure like i'm always a little bit more afraid of like a heterosexual man walking up to me and grabbing a part of my body just because of history <laughs> and yeah. statistics but yeah it's it's a power move there's no way to come out of that where i feel like my body is mine yeah mm -hmm. you just grab from the candy dish that wasn't yours right we're going to you know? take that, put that on a shelf for a half second, and I'm going to grab that asterisk yeah. and come back because yeah. this was yesterday after our recording. I went to the coffee shop across the way and coming back to like older generation men. And there was a young woman who was working behind the counter, the barista, and an older male client that came in. And he was using terms like sweetheart, mm. angel, things like that, mm. right? And it just made me think, oh my God. I think with older generations, we offer them a bit of a like some leeway because it's like oh well you're from an older generation where you don't really get it and again coming back to accountability it's like people don't just get a pass because of the generation that they were raised in right mm -hmm. you can hope they have the ability to to swing around and to understand what it is the point that you're getting at and like like it just made me think of the both of you like after especially after our recording and how that too can be damaging and patronizing and infantilizing a perfect example of exactly what you were just talking about i read this really interesting twitter thread by uh joanna chu and it was all about airplane creeps and young women being stuck in a seat next to an older man who speaks to her in like in a kind of sexualized, very inappropriate manner and how she has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. um, I really advise, it was from March 25th, so I advise everyone to read this thread. It is very, very telling uh, and I think will kind of illuminate what experiences are like for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah and sometimes it's, it's about like who, there, there's like uh, a level of exhaustion that's put on uh, certain people um, or certain groups of people like women, the LGBT community, um, black people, and how much we have to explain and how much we have to tell people. And sometimes it's almost about like, okay, cool. Is this a teaching moment or is this a moment that I'm gonna have to grin and bear or is yeah. this a safe moment? Mm -hmm. Like on, on the airplane, it's like, cool. I'm not going to tell some guy he can't call me sweetie because I'm stuck on the plane with this guy for three hours and it's just going to blow up in my face. 
But most likely. Maybe it won't. Maybe there's like a 1% chance that right. he will stop doing what he's doing. But as a bartender, I've noticed that like I have to pick and choose. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't have the energy to explain to somebody why what they're doing is wrong because they're just going to mansplain to me why it's not. Um, <laughs> or get aggressive. Or, you know, and then sometimes I do. And for the most part, I've been proven right that they do get aggressive and mansplain to me why. Yeah, because they think that they're just being endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also about like, uh, like ownership of space and things like that. And the fact that they feel entitled to be able to do that without any repercussions because they never had have had any. And that's, I mean, I think we saw that in the Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, and all of these people coming, like getting called out and all of these people saying, well, I just don't know like how I can talk to women anymore. It's like, no, it's because, and it's not, It's of course, it's not everybody, but it's this fact that for if there aren't consequences to bad behavior and we live in a society that empowers men while disempowers women, there is an entitlement that men have over women. There's a power there. And if you've never been taught otherwise and you've never been held accountable or punished for using that power, then why would you stop doing it? Because you get, like Jesse mm-hmm. said, you get to eat from the candy dish whenever the fuck <laughs> you want. And grandma doesn't say you had enough candy. Yeah. yeah. And I would like to, yeah. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> why has it got to be grandma? grandma? No, I don't know. It's got to grandpa. Right? But um, the men that are saying that, like, they never, like, they feel like they don't know how to speak to women now. It's like, well, but did you ever know how to speak to women? Like, Mm -hmm. period. Because we're telling you that, like, what the way you've been engaging with us has been wrong. So the point being, you need to formulate a new language, new tactic, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also like the people I, I know right after that, I had a few guys come in and they were like, oh, I can't even get on. I, I'm afraid to get on an elevator with a woman. And I'm like, <laughs> what? that girl has been afraid to get on an elevator with you since the day she got in that elevator. Okay. And yeah. also, if mm-hmm. you are afraid to get in that elevator, like, what have you been doing? What do you do yeah. on an elevator? He's like, well, right. I, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't know what to do on an elevator now. And I'm like, stand press there. your button and stand there. Fool, like what right. is wrong with you? Occupy your space and your space, space only. Don't talk like I don't talk to anybody in an elevator. Yeah, you know, I occasionally say hello. Right. <laughs> I make it weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I had two guys like kind of force me into a conversation one time on the elevator, which was frustrating too, because I was like, I don't feel like talking to you. Mm-hmm. And then they talked amongst themselves about yeah. how we weren't talking. To them. <laughs> two things just popped into my head. One, that was me pulling off the shelf what you had just prefaced a moment ago, which is like uh, being a woman like how it can be unsafe to be a woman in certain spaces and deciding when it is either safe to say something or unsafe to say something like an airplane for example you have no escape right you can't go anywhere until that plane is on the ground and you have free reign to get away from whoever it is you know um but i also know that like there are instances of just like here in new york female friends of mine that are out late at night uh, a friend of mine was telling me recently that she was followed on the subway platform by a man and it was another woman that interjected to diffuse the situation and luckily the train came in time in order for the whole situation to be completely um diffused but like that is a very real thing Mm. you know and i don't think that's something that many people that aren't female take into account you know not to go back, but I wanted to say something really fast about the sweetie word. And then, yeah, is that okay? Yeah. Just because I remembered a guy came in one time and at a bar that we worked together at, and uh, he was terrible. He was a terrible human. And like, at some point I used the word sweetie and I meant it in the true form of how you say sweetie and like, which is demeaning mm-hmm. because he was, I was done with him. I was like, listen, sweetie, I'll be right with you. And he was like, you know, that's incredibly demeaning. And I was like, funny, that's interesting. Interesting coming from a man. So that was proof. Anyway, there was a post that I shared on our Instagram, which was that straight men only understand consent in a gay bar. Mm. It's like put it in a context that they understand. So it's like when you do it back and then they're like, that's demeaning. Uh You're like, point proven. Thank you. Have your drink. (laughs) By the way, I spit in it. (laughs) Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to women protecting women and protecting everybody, which which is that uh, in that recent in the recent mosque shootings in New Zealand, it was women who rushed the gunman to try and get him to stop shooting. Um, and this is part of, I think, part and parcel. I feel like I'm totally the Debbie Downer today. I apologize. But no. part and parcel of uh, feeling unsafe in spaces is, is commiserating that and understanding it um, and putting yourself in a pos- in harm's way because you understand 
how someone else might be feeling in that moment. And because it is always your, you're so self-protective and we as women are tasked with protecting our friends, Mm. um, which is, you know, I don't want that to sound like a burden. I think that's what we all should do. We should protect the ones that we love. But the ridiculous amount of responsibility that women have and, and that when something happens to a woman, the first question, the second question, the first ones involve what were you doing? What were you wearing? The second one, and I wonder this too, where were her friends? Because we, I read this really interesting article recently about that text that's sent, text me when you get home safe. Mm. And that's not just... Uh, that's not just like, I need to know your home safe. It's like, now I'm getting, this article upset me a lot, yeah. I guess. Mm. Um, but it's like, I love you and I want to talk to you again. And that's like, that's a real fear. I'm a crier. <laughs> I haven't cried yet today and it's like almost 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> it was time. It was time. Um, yeah, I mean, the onus is is generally put on us. I, I Yeah, like leaving a male friend there's never a let me know when you get home it's always my girlfriends who are like hey let me know when you get home or oh you're going on a date cool share your gps i share my gps with rebecca and i always let her know that i'm going on a date with somebody i don't think men ever have to think about that i don't think any men even know that that's a thing most men right um you know and i make jokes about it about like oh here just in case you need to find my body Mm -hmm. if this date goes poorly which is not funny I mean, it's like we treat it with a sense of humor, but it's quite real. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. but it's a real thing. Like, I'm afraid to walk home at night, you know, not I mean, in New York, I feel pretty safe for the most part, but I've had experiences. I got followed in Bed-Stuy. It was like the scariest thing that ever happened to me. And actually, a a guy was my angel. Honestly, he was like standing on the corner. He was like, that guy's following you. And as soon as he said that, the guy stopped and crossed the street. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's also like to think about beyond just the safety issues, the actual financial costs that women endure. Like, for example, I lived in New Orleans for a little while and I wouldn't work evenings because I couldn't safely walk home Mm. Um, and because I would have to call a car and I'd have to pay for that car. So there's those added burdens of carrying a weapon, of choosing shifts that will make it safer for you, of having a buddy system, of all of these different things. I can't work in this neighborhood maybe because it's not safe or I can't work this far from home because how will I get back? I can't work past this hour because of this. Um, And that's the cost that we literally pay from our pockets. Like is a literal financial burden of the fact that we are unsafe. Traveling as a woman, I mean, I think that's become more accessible now. But like, I remember starting to travel, I had to like lie to my parents because, and and that's not how most of the men that I know travel. Their their parents are just like, yeah, go. Of course you'll be fine. But me, it was, you're going to get sold into sex slavery, which yeah. was cute because I was like, no. <laughs> you know, I was like, at the time I was like 27. I was like, no. <laughs> um, there's that. There's like the idea that I can't travel alone when a man Mm -hmm. can travel alone and that's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. um and it's a real fear so like i get my parents fear and i get like all my friends being like how are you going to do that that's so unsafe and i'm like well i'm not going to like allow this you know overall fear just because i'm a woman to stop me from doing the things that truly make me happy but then there's also the not being believed just up until recently i still remember some of my closest male friends and i have the most amazing male friends and they've evolved and and grown and but i remember maybe four or five years ago, not which is not that long ago, coming home and being like, this thing happened to me, this person followed me and it was really scary, or this person said something to me, or this person touched me, and having them be like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. And me being like, I'm trying to, like, you don't have to talk right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I need you to listen. And if you don't have anything, like, supportive to say, then don't. Right. Don't, don't tell me that what I felt was wrong because we are used to that feeling we instinctually know what is good and what is bad yeah and the intentions don't don't actually matter because even if they didn't intend anything that doesn't change the way that you respond to it yes i love that i love that you brought that up because a lot of people think well the intent was good you know and it's like yeah many things are well intended but you have to understand that when you work from good intention that the effect can be negative and it's really the effect that outweighs you know but also our level of, of experience. Like that guy that followed me off the subway station in Bedsty, my immediate reaction was something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I knew that something was wrong, but then I started to doubt myself because I was like, I must be crazy. Like he's probably just walking home. But I knew that something was wrong. And as he followed me down blocks, 
I still kept trying to convince myself that and I called a person to talk to them to be like, hey, come pick me up here. Mm -hmm. And then that guy did it and proved me right. But I needed that guy to prove me right. Mm -hmm. So like at what point do we listen to ourselves and at what point do we listen to society because which one do we survive at yeah. the gut like women have i think because of all the things we've talked about today we have really really good gut instincts and yes. i have found that whenever i've doubted my gut i've found that i was correct yeah. in my whenever i've gone against the feeling that i get because we have these little prickly hairs you just know yeah it reminds me of what you were just saying about the women in the mosques in new zealand and how like I forget which book it's in, but we know the three basic like instincts, which are fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. That's for just men. Women have five, which is fight, flight, freeze, protect, and negotiate. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. So it's because constantly being the ones of like thinking of others, you know, and it's like, what am I going to do in this crisis situation where it's not just about me? Mm -hmm. Leave I mean, it up it to. It makes sense. That's like a maternal type of thing that we're I feel like nature gifted us with yeah you know I mean men do I mean they don't have themselves to think about but you know yeah I think we have a little bit more like protect <laughs> well yeah absolutely it's the mothering of the herd in that way but anyway with every conversation on typed out there is just this is so surface level and there's so much to dive into and like we could be talking for hours about all of the things but um, I thank you both for your time and your contribution. And clearly, like, there's just so many ways in which we can be typed out by society and coming back to, like, what do you listen to? Do you listen to society or do you listen to what works for you? And following along with your instinct and going truly with what your gut is telling you. Jesse, Rebecca, thank you so much. And, you know, you. yeah, this was the best crossover yeah. like, podcast <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> so I got that right. Thank yeah, you. I'm into that. Um, but yeah, so and I can only encourage our listeners to please check out Welcome to My Vagina. And where can they do that? We're pretty much on all platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher. Awesome. Stitcher. You can get it on morebanana.com, which is the production that we work under. Yes. Um, we have a at Welcome to My Vagina Instagram, Twitter, welcomemyvagina.com, which is going through renovations. Okay. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. And any like individual handles, like if you prefer, like for your writing, Rebecca, mm. or places oh. to follow you? Um, you could go to franklyrebecca.com, and my name is R-E-B-E-K-A-H. So franklyrebecca.com or... Um, you could see all of my likes and retweets on Twitter, also at Frankly Rebecca, or find me at Instagram under the same handle, but I'll have to approve you because of the creeps. Yes. <laughs> no. Put it on private, girl, because yeah. I know what that's about. Yep. So. I put it on private, but I pretty much confirm everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I would, if I confirmed everybody, I would be followed by like 90% cats. Nice. Yeah. So what's the problem? I don't know. Right. Cats, because I feel guilty not following them back. <laughs> I think Understood. the cat's okay. <laughs> I'm sure they're not monitoring their following, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> the days of Instapets. Right. But um, so one more time, if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash typed out, you can download your copies of Rupi Kaur's Milk and Honey, correct? And Rebecca, yours one more time. Uh, Lenny Zuma's Red Clocks. Yes. And again, 30 day trial, and you can listen along to one of those two books for free. Well, Jesse, Rebecca, thank you both so much. And as always, I have been your host, Nick, and we will see you next week. Bye! Bye.